Have you ever had someone help you that you thought was the least person expected? So my family and I were on vacation and there was a detour. We didn't know how to get back on the best route, stopped in a gas station. I'm saying this sarcastically. Of course, the clerk didn't know how to get there, but there was a person in a wheelchair next to the line with me and said, I know exactly where you need to go. Didn't know where to find an item in a store, and they were looking around. The little boy said, what are you looking for? I said, well, you want to know where it is. He goes, try me, and he took me right to the spot. So help comes from unexpected places. Have you ever had somebody help you in life that you never thought would be able to help you? Maybe someone you thought wouldn't know. Maybe somebody you thought or misjudged. Because once again, you can't judge a book by its what? Cover, that's right. Ever have somebody help you never thought would be able to help you? So my family and I were vacationing in San Antonio, Texas. Never go to San Antonio, Texas in the summer. 100, degree, 100 days of what? 100 degrees. This is more like 107. So we left San Antonio, Texas to drive to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It wasn't much better in Oklahoma. So there for 400 plus miles, 107, 110 degrees on black asphalt. And I think that's what caused the crisis. And so we're nearing Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and we're making reservations for a hotel room. And just then I felt our van getting a little wobbly, then getting really wobbly, pulled over, said, looks like we have a flat tire. Not one flat tire, but what? So, so much for putting on the spare and getting on the road. So there we were, a mile past an exit of Norman, Oklahoma, with two flat tires. So got my wife and children up on the hill, the worst place to be when you're on the interstates next to the road. And so we were talking to the lady on the, in the hotel and said, by the way, do you know a good tow truck? I said, yeah, I'll contact one for you. So we had a problem. There was five of us with a tow truck driver, six people, and no way could a tow truck driver get the van jacked up and get us to where we needed to go. So we had to have a plan. So I loaded up my wife and my teenage daughters with bottles of water, and they were to walk a mile back in 107-degree heat back to last exit. And there my son and I waited. We waited for the tow truck to come, not knowing how long. Worst place to be on the interstate by the side of the road. So there we went up the hill. And a car pulled behind our van. I said, well, this is interesting. And a man got out with his teenage son, and they had a bag wrapped up. They put on a bumper, and they waved at us very warmly, and they got on their way. We don't, no offense, we don't like to meet strangers on the interstate that we what? Don't know, even though we like to trust people. And so after the car pulled away, I went up to the bag, and there was a bag with two ice-cold bottles of water stapled with a receipt on it. So you could tell they cared about one, let us know that they really did care. Back to my wife and my daughters, they walked a mile back to the exit, and there was a little old lady who picked them up. I think my wife said, I'm not worried about her, I think I could take her if she wants to try anything, okay? <laughs> on the other side of the exit ramp, uh, exit uh, pass, uh, a bridge was, uh, was Sam's, that's where we got our tire from, so the the tow truck picked up an old guy with a scruffy beard. He jacked up our van. My son and I climbed on board. He goes, well, you guys seem to be in a really good mood. I said, yeah, well, of course you're here. We need to go back there. My wife found a Sam's. He goes, well, I'm saying you guys seem to be in a pretty good mood, even though you have two flat tires. Usually when I pick up multiple flat tire vehicles, it's a boyfriend mad at her girlfriend or girlfriend mad at their boyfriend. They get four flat tires. So you guys had multiple flat tires, seemed to be in a good mood. <laughs> Went up to the next exit, turn around, and there at Sam's. Uh, there are people there at Sam's with greasy shirts on, waiting for us to put the new tires on. Help came from where? 
unexpected places, a man with his teenage son leaning his bottle of water, an elderly woman who picked up my wife and I, the workers at Sam's, and the scruffy old beard guy uh, being pleasant to us. You ever had that happen in your life? Well, I'm going to all the Star Wars fans out there. If you remember, Luke Skywalker, the young boy, was to save the galaxy or save the universe, and he was going to be the Jedi Knight in training. You're familiar with that? He was going to learn the ways of the Force, and he didn't know who to go to. Obi-Wan Kenobi said, you need to refine yourselves and learn the way that you might be the Jedi Master. So he sent to this far-off planet, and there he used to meet the Master Jedi Trainer, the Trainer of Knights. So who'd he meet? Anybody know who's going to train him? Come on, who? Who? Yoda. And when Luke Skywalker saw Yoda... Go climb up a tree or go climb behind your rock, wherever you're from. You can't be the what? The great Jedi Master. And there he was, Yoda, the great trainer, the Jedi Master of young Luke Skywalker. Help comes from unexpected places. So much for saving the galaxy. Let's move on. So there was a prophet Elijah. He was hungry and he was thirsty and he knew that God would provide for him. So where did God send him? To the widow of Zarephath. There she was with her disabled son, had enough flour and enough oil for one meal, and as she said, then we'll just die. Elijah said, no, you're not going to have that wheat and that bread for yourself. You're going to have it for me. And she said, I don't have enough for my son. Help come, came from an unexpected place, a widow, of a, a widow and a, a mother of a disabled boy. But God provided for them all. Help came from where? an unexpected place from what people might think the least of these. The same for us. A person in a wheelchair at a gas station, a scruffy beard guy picking us up, Yoda, that little thing who behinds, hides behind a rock, and here, the widow of Zarephath. God helps in unexpected places. So when you see the cross, what do you see? What impression does it give to you? Help comes from unexpected places. Jesus, the son of David, the son of Mary, and who exactly is she, and who is he from Galilee, and what exactly is that all about? He is beaten and mocked and torn and whipped, and there he is. Our eternal help comes from unexpected places. A man who carries a crossbeam to Golgotha is due much thieves and lowlifes to the Roman Empire. And there on a torture device of the Roman Empire is our salvation. Jesus gives us his greatest gift in real weakness. Help comes from an unexpected place. The unexpected person, when he was weakest, nearing death, our greatest help has come. The salvation of our souls and eternal life. What do you see when you see that? See, you and I in America... We like to be number one. We're told that we have to be the greatest. We have to have the best. We have to keep up with the Joneses. I think Dave Ramsey once said, most people buy things they can't afford to impress people who don't like them anyways. We seek to be number one. So I believe that Jesus overheard his disciples talking about who is the greatest. That's part of human nature. We all want to be Number one, we want to have the best personality, be the most liked, have the fanciest of things, and impress people the most. That's just part of our nature. Real greatness. And by the way, those trophies and awards that we chase after with our kids and our grandkids, 20 years from now, in the trophy case, will be those trophies gathering dust, and about another five years later, 
I don't know, maybe the superintendent will get all those trophies and give them away to someone or it'll end up in the back dumpster. Even the medals we have fade and the ribbons that we get that we think so much about get lost somewhere in boxes in our attic. You see, our attempt to be great really isn't that great itself. It really becomes futile. So what does Jesus say? Can you read the verse up there with me? The greatest among you must be a servant. Remember Yoda? Remember the person in a wheelchair? The scruffy old beard guy, the elderly woman, the widow of Zarephath, and even lowly Jesus, beaten and whipped and bruised and bloodied. Jesus says, if any one of you want to be great, you must become a what? It's really hard for us to become a servant. But our Lord says the first shall be last and the last shall be what? First, help comes from unexpected places. See, little things do matter. The person in the wheelchair, getting water for someone, even a little bit of bread and flour mattered a lot for Elijah and the widow of Zarephath and her son. Little things do matter, and sometimes we don't expect that things, little things matter, but they matter much. I'm not talking about accumulating them over time. I'm just talking about those small things, unexpected things that happen that bless others. And see, probably what we need to realize is in our stations and vocations, whether we're parents or grandparents or grandchildren or sons and daughters, whether employees or employers, no matter where we are, God works through our stations and vocations in us doing what? The little things where we work and where we live, those things matter. Help comes from unexpected places. A warm smile, a kind word, an open door. This is where this is at. How are you doing today? And take the time to listen. Consider these. Sidney Smith said this. It's the greatest of all mistakes to do nothing because you can only do what? A little. You ever been to St. Jude's? Can I ask anyone been to St. Jude's in Memphis, Tennessee? The last two services one person has. I spent a week there many years ago. One of our children was there. St. Jude really isn't a really big hospital. Probably the hospital at St. Jude's is about as big as our Mercy Hospital. But what St. Jude is huge is they do research. Research in St. Jude is all about numbers. They want the numbers of children dying from cancer and blood cancer and other sorts of cancers uh, to all decrease, and they've been working on that for decades. Now, here's a question I need to ask you. If you've been to St. Jude's, they'll have a wall where people give gifts, like one million, five million, hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. And all of us probably here look at that wall and say, well, I can't give that. I don't have five million dollars to give. I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to give. And there, you can see on the wall uh, names and donations and little stars and, and, and little um, um, uh, tokens of gratitude toward those great gifts. But here's a question I need to ask you. St. Jude really operates because you know what the average amount of giving St. Jude uses to operate? You want to take a guess how many dollars for a year long? How many dollars? Take a guess. 50. The average person gives St. Jude just gives $50. That little thing does matter. $50 keeps St. Jude open. And by the way, I don't know if you know anyone. I know some people who sent their kids to St. Jude's. Everything is what? It's what? Matter of fact, they'll pick you up at your house. There's no transportation. They do even have a, a hotel there, an apartment complex that is what? Free. $50, little things do matter. Maybe some of you remember her, I'm going now to older generations. Kitty Callan said, little things mean what? Little things mean a lot. 
In this life, we cannot do great things, but we can do small things with what? Mother Teresa. Yeah. That $50 with great love is probably worth $100,000 with little love. Remember, St. Paul says that if I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm nothing but a clanking gong. If I have all the wisdom and understand all the mysteries and I have not love, I'm just a clean, a banging symbol. I'm nothing. Little things done with great love, for God looks at the heart. Little things do matter from people that we don't expect it from, and they do matter. If you cannot feed 100 people, do what? Feed one. Little things matter. Great love. From unexpected people, God works in our station of vocations. Finally, I always wondered why somebody didn't do something, then I realized I was what? I've heard that a lot in the church. Somebody needs to do this, and somebody else needs to do that, and somebody else needs to do this. You know what? I've never met somebody else in church. I looked up their picture in our directory, and I didn't find somebody else. Anybody know who somebody else is? Go look in the mirror. You and I. In unexpected places, God brings his mercy and grace, many times from us doing small things. Talked to you about love. Love is not tolerance. Just because I tolerate somebody's behavior doesn't mean I love them. And just because I love them doesn't mean I'm going to tolerate what they do. Matter of fact, many times it's the opposite. I'm not going to tolerate sinful behavior because I love you. Forgiveness is not a cover-up for those who refuse to repent. A lot of people, oh, you're forgiven anyway. He says, okay, God forgives you. Not if you're not sorry for your sin, you're not. While it's true, Jesus died for the sins of the world freely. It's received by faith. For the person who doesn't repent, they're not forgiven. That's not love. It's not love at all. Martin Luther said the life of a Christian is a life of daily repentance. Love is not tolerance. Love is not telling someone they're forgiven when they are not. What else is love? Love is not superficial understandings. Oh, you did a great job when you really didn't. Oh, I think you're wonderful even though you didn't do a very good job. We live in a society of hyper-affirmation. We reward people who really haven't done that much. We sometimes wonder why our children don't do well when we constantly affirm them when they haven't done anything really good. Compliments are to be sincere and given when someone has done something worth complimenting. Love is not superficial understanding. I don't know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what's going on with you when I haven't taken the time to listen. That is not love. Love is not superficial understanding. To know what you're going through, even though I don't. What is love? Real love is action done to the least of these. You see, the older I get, the Lord has, and he has, he continues to humble me. When I was younger, I used to think people who had a lot were cool with hip personalities and dressed the best. What I came to understand is many times as a people who wouldn't think much of, who had clean hearts, who loved dearly, who loved God, they have taught me, much like the person in the wheelchair, much like the guy with the scruffy old beard, much like the elderly woman, right? Maybe we always see that. Can't judge a book by its what? Cover. Real love is action done to the least of these. Love is action for others. Those little things do matter for us. An open door, a smile. Come with me to Bible study. Can I pray with you? Let me take a few minutes to listen to how you are doing. That does matter. And so Jesus picks up a little child and he says, whatever you do to this little child, you've done it to me. Now, we in America, we sort of, I don't know, we idolize our children and sometimes we have sentimental feelings about children. 
Jesus holds up a child because a child is totally dependent. They only live because of what adults do for them. Adults protect them. And Jesus says, whatever you do to one of these little children of mine who's totally dependent, it's like you're doing it to me. Whatever we do to the least of these, we're doing it as if it's doing it to Jesus himself. Much like the person in the wheelchair, much like the person that we don't think much of, much like the outcast or the lonely person, we've done it unto Jesus. Little things do matter. Those who serve children serve Christ and God himself. See, humble service defines and builds fellowship. It does matter. A warm glance, a handshake, an open door. This afternoon, a number of us are going to be at the Best Practices Conference, and I heard this at a previous one. If St. John Lutheran Church and Lutheran School were to shut, would the community miss us? I'm not asking if we'd miss us. I'm asking if who'd miss us. Would the community miss us? Do we do enough in the community for them to miss us and what we have given to them? Those are questions I ask myself. We need to ask ourselves. But humble service defines and builds fellowship. Christmas bags and Christmas gifts, helping one another, that defines who we are. See, I ask you to look at the cross again. In the cross, we lose our need for our own greatness. In the cross, we see our sinfulness. Only in the cross are we equal, as we hear much in our society about equity and being equitable and equality. There's only one place where we're equal, and that is the cross, because Jesus died for who? Everyone. And heaven is open for who? Everyone. Is anyone going to be better than anyone elsewhere in heaven? And the answer is what? No. For Christ, for God so loved the what? World. Christ died once, and he died for all. In the cross, we lose our need for greatness, because we realize that we're sinners, and only by his grace are we saved. Our greatness only comes from loving others. And that doesn't need any award at all or recognition. See, friends in Christ, least expected places comes our help, eternal salvation. Then least expected ways we might help those who are least expected. So how about this for a closing thought? We'll read from Matthew. Can you read it with me? The righteous will answer, Lord, when did I see you hungry and feed you, and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did I see you a stranger and invited you in? or needing clothes and clothe you. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And all God's people say, Amen.